all my life seen you know people hiding marijuana around and this that <laughs> and the other and something that i'd never really mess with and i don't know i guess it it seems like it's almost like messing with marijuana legally when it's really not welcome to the peak city cbd podcast real life cbd stories interviews with experts in the science behind making using and enjoying cbd now here's your host and chief chemist of peak city cbd matt weschler Hey, good day, guys. Uh, Matt Weschler, welcome to the Peak City CBD podcast. Uh, today we have with us an uh, excellent guest, uh, Jerry Baldwin, and our co-host, Joe. Hello, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks, Jerry. So excited to get to talk to you. You are the farmer responsible for all the hemp that supplies CBD oil, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm glad to supply Matt with our excellent hemp products and for him to make into his CBD products. So let's get into, when did you start being a farmer? I started about five years ago. My wife and I decided we wanted to buy a farm and started looking around and we got it. And in order to keep it as a farm, you have to produce something. And we started with hay and she said there was too much labor in that. And so the hemp thing kind of came along and we started doing that two years ago and found out there's a lot of labor in that too. (laughs) It's just that uh, she doesn't have to participate in that as much. Yeah. So- you started before the the legislation changed before it was legal to grow no 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 it was actually legal to grow three years ago and this will be our third season coming up this year okay so you have to have a license to be able to grow it you already have to have an existing farm with farm income and then you have to have a license to grow the hemp specifically Hmm. that's interesting it is, and it, I thought Jerry, you were going to say that hemp was no work at all, but I think you. Yeah, no, <laughs> no <laughs> it's that's a, not the case. No, everything has to be done uh, pretty much by hand. Try to do everything organically. It's very labor intensive, and there's a lot to it. There's a lot to make sure that you don't overwater or overfeed or underwater, and just a lot to keep up with. And then when you harvest it, it's all done by hand, or at least for the CBD, it's done by hand. And then you have to shuck the plants by hand. So it's, it's really a lot of labor involved. Yeah. And Jerry, this is something we were talking a little bit about yesterday, but I think I didn't really know a lot about this, but there's the, the hemp comes in different varieties, right? One variety can be used for like textiles and other things like that, more industrial. And then there's the CBD variety as well. Correct. So yes. it, it is different. Yes, it is. The, the stuff that they use for fiber is usually, it'll grow 15, 16 feet tall, 18 feet tall. And you can have male and female plants. What you use for the CBD, they have to be all female plants. If you get male plants around, they will actually pollinate the female plants and turn them into males as well. They'll grow seeds. And when they grow seeds, they don't produce as much CBD. So you want all female plants. And the ones that we grow uh, will grow only about five or six feet tall at best. Why is it important to grow organic and by hand in order to get the highest quality CBD oil product out of it? Because the hemp plant will pretty much take anything in the soil that you put in it. And it actually is used in some cases to clean soil. So you want to make sure that if it's going to be for human consumption, that you don't want to use anything that's going to produce heavy metals or anything that's going to hurt someone. So by doing that, you always want to do everything organically. 
And there's a cool, another cool word. I like cool words from the, from the guys who do stuff, uh, podcasts <laughs> like terpenes, but uh, the hemp is a bioaccumulator. So that means it sucks all the, all the crap out of the soil. So you want to have good soil because it's a particular aspect of the hemp plant. It's called a bioaccumulator. So I and you mentioned that before that there's only certain climates where it really excels as a crop and North Carolina yep. happens to be one of those climates. Yep. North Carolina, Kentucky, Colorado, seemingly sort of different, different areas, regions of the country, but all great for hemp. Were you guys uh, fans of CBD oil before you started getting into the farm or was it a business decision? You just learned about it as you started growing hemp? Didn't know anything about it yeah. at all and just started reading about it and saw that it was legal and said, hey, you know, I started doing research on it and decided uh, that, that I wanted to get into it and it just grew from there. Yeah. There's this great picture of Matt in your field wearing a white suit coat, and it looks like something you'd see out of like a Hollywood <laughs> yeah, yeah. movie where the DEA is about to come in and raid. <laughs> because, uh, do you ever run into things like that as a hemp farmer? Do people think that you're growing weed? Well, you know, it you smells have, just like it. It looks just like it. You got and kids sneaking on your property and trying to... <laughs> no, and no, and, and that's actually really good because I grow it kind of in the center of the farm where no one can see it. And you can't see it from the road. You have to really go up into the farm to be able to see it. So it kind of keeps some of that from happening. And I don't really advertise with anyone right. what we're growing. So that so far has kept us safe. Yeah, you don't have like a big banner out yeah. front? No. <laughs> no, yeah. CBD farm here. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a lot of competition in North Carolina? Are there a lot of people getting into growing CBD? Yes, there are. The first year that I had my license, I think my number was 300 and something. And the last time for last year when I got them, I think I was 1100 and something. Wow. So there's a lot more people that have gotten into it. I think there's tons of tons of hemp on the market. And I, I, from what we hear, it seems like a lot of people thought it would be a get rich quick kind of scheme. I'm going to plant this hemp in the ground. It's going to be easy to grow it. And then I'm going to sell it all and make tons of money. And there's a lot of people in the CBD industry as well for some of the same reasons. And it, it, I don't think it's panned out that quite that way so far, but it, it's good. But it, there's, there's a glut of hemp in, in the world right now. Yeah, one of the farmers I was talking to the other day in a meeting said that the way to make a million dollars in hemp is to start out with two million. <laughs> so, and that's kind of the way it seems to work out. Did you feel there was a steep learning curve, learning how to grow the crop? Yes, there was. There was a big learning curve, especially since I'd never done any of that before and really wasn't a farmer before. It's not really my, you know, my primary uh, job. So there was a big learning curve on figuring out what to do and what worked and what didn't. Uh, so what's the, what's the size of your operation? Um, I'm growing about two acres. I, but we've got a 140 acre farm, but we're only using two acres of it to grow hemp. And that's pretty much all I can handle right now. Yep, got to start slow, and it, it's amazing the amount of uh, oil that you can produce from the hemp. So it takes a very, very small amount of plants, actually, to make a lot of oil, which right. can can go a long way for, for Peak City CBD. So I think there's a lot of farmers out there that are perhaps started too big, you know, 10, 20, 40, 50, 100 acres. That's, that's a lot, and that's why there's a glut of hemp on the market, and they're sadly kind of stuck with it today trying to sell it or do something with it can you reuse the female plants to make fiber or is it a completely different seed that you grow no it, you can use the female plants for fiber as well they're just not there's not as much fiber in it because those plants do not get as large as the ones that they use for fiber 
So your two acres that you're growing go go exclusively to the process of making CBD oil, or do you use the other part of the plant for something else? Well, I actually the first year I did not uh, this for this last year's crop. I actually bought a, a grinder, and I'm going to grind the stalks and stuff up and try to find someone to purchase those okay. for fiber. There is a, are quite a few byproducts in the hemp. Uh, Jerry and I have talked about this as well. So you got the stalks, and even after I'm done making CBD oil, you can kind of, it, it, a good analogy is kind of like the coffee grounds after you're done, uh, put them, putting them in your drip coffee maker. It's basically essentially garbage, but I think there might be some sort of use for it as well. I hate to let all those good fibers and little bits of hemp go to waste. So we're looking at uh, thinking about different ways to utilize things like that. So Yeah, I've heard of things to do with your used coffee grounds. They're not, they're <laughs> escaping me right now, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping Matt being the chemist is going to come up something uh, with something we can make a lot of money off of the. Millions. Um, yeah. The byproducts. <laughs> so I'm curious, how did you get into farming? What were you doing before? Before and as of now, uh, I'm still in the car wash business. I sell car wash chemicals and equipment, and that's actually how I met Matt. Several years ago, I think his supplier went out of business, and he got my name from somewhere and called me, and I started supplying him with car wash chemicals for his car wash, and it kind of went from there. And it was kind of funny one day, I told him a couple of years ago, we were talking, and I said, you know, I'm going to start growing hemp, and you never know what people are going to think. It kind of gave me this funny look, and I thought, well, why is he looking at me funny? Is he against it, or is he for it, or what? <laughs> I just didn't know. So we talked about it a little bit, and he didn't really say anything else. And then, I don't know, a few weeks later, he called me up, and yep. he said, can we go to breakfast and talk about this hemp thing? And I said, sure. So we went and talked about it, and he told me he was an organic chemist, which I had no idea because that wasn't what he was doing at the time. And it just kind of led from there. He said, I think I'm looking to – do something different and I want to get back into my chemistry field. And so we kind of started talking about me supplying him and it's grown from there. Yeah. yeah that's how it all started actually. Yeah. So it's that, that one discussion at the, out there in the, at the car wash, but yeah. So the great thing for peak city, I'm really lucky to know Jerry because you know, he's a trusted friend and he grows the hemp. It's all organic and I get it all from him. So there's a lot of CBD brands out there that get the hemp from different places. Maybe it's just cause they have to seek out different suppliers and whatnot. And I'm lucky enough that I don't have to do that. I know right where it comes from. I know it's safe, secure, organic, all these kind of good things. So it's really a great situation for Peak City. Yeah. And you pay a lot of attention to the testing of it to make sure that it's the proper quality of product that you want before it goes out. What kind of effect does improperly grown hemp or because you said how it sucks things up out of the soil or non-organic so that means if people use pesticides and stuff, there's traces of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, basically everything that, uh, so if somebody were to use pesticides on the hemp, I mean, this is stuff that's eventually going to end up going into an oil or a topical or whatever that's going to go in or on your body. So that's not good. And and obviously mold and mycotoxins, that's all bad stuff for hemp. And that can get, it just gets translated all the way down, yeah. all, the, all the way down the chain to the end user. And that's obviously really bad. So, so I would love for you just to kind of unpack for us the process of like, from in the seed into the ground until harvest, what does that look like? Well, actually, the first year and and last year, I used clones so that I could make sure that they were all female plants. And the first clones we bought from a, a company, and you're paying four dollars a piece for those things, and you're planting about two thousand per acre, so it gets very expensive to be able to plant them. And these are just little little plants, very very small here, yeah. plants, yes. And then we you put them in. I, or at least I did, I used what's called plasticulture. 
it's kind of like growing strawberries. And then you have a machine you come by and somebody's sitting behind the tractor on a planter and it pokes a hole in the plastic and they put the plant in the hole and cover it up. And we've already put drip line in. And so you're feeding it from under the plant with a drip line. You're giving it the water it needs and the fertilizer that it needs. And then you, you do some foliar feeding as it gets larger. And then when it gets time to harvest, you go out and cut it down, and then you have to hang it and dry it, kind of like uh, burly tobacco. And then uh, once it's dry, you actually have to hand shuck it. And they've come up with some machines now that you can use to shuck the plants to get the buds and stuff off of them. And then that's what you use, and the, the plant base part of it is what you turn into fiber. At Peak City CBD, we use supercritical CO2 extraction to make CBD. It's a mouthful, but what happens is the hemp goes in and it is flooded with CO2 that is at a pressure of about 1,800 PSI. Your car tires are around 30 PSI, so this pressure is huge. It's like a high-pressure bath that grabs the cannabinoids out of the hemp. That goodness is purified in a few other steps, and the CBD mixed with only the highest quality and most organic components around. What you're left with is a high-quality, refreshing CBD product. Learn more at PeakCityCBD.com. What's your favorite part of that process? I don't know. I mean, I, li- I just like messing with it. It's kind of kind of a unique plant, and uh, it's something, like I said, I'd never done before, so it's kind of interesting learning all about it. And I'm really, what really excites me is all the benefits it seems to have to help people with different needs, ailments, and yeah. sleep, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it helps when you feel like you're you're making a product that's helping people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I can tell you it's exciting to watch the stuff grow, and Jerry's excited about it because just to make a good plant. And so a little thing that he mentioned was drip lines underneath the hemp plant, and I think I've learned more about that over the last few weeks or months, but that's another really good thing to do with hemp is to drip it down by the roots, I think, as opposed to doing, like, you might picture a big cornfield where you have these huge sprinkler systems that like we have in our yard and provide the water to the hemp from up above, but that can actually also cause some mold and stuff because maybe it sits on the leaves, gets in the little uh, nooks and crannies of the hemp plant, which there are a lot of. Or if it's crazy hot here, it probably scorches it. uh, Perhaps too. Yeah. Yeah. But so Jerry's growing it all the right way. So going into like you guys both have or started with, and you still have the car wash thing going other things. What have you guys learned that has been the most exciting part of going into this CBD business together? Well, I don't know if you can call it exciting. I thought I was going to make a lot of money in it the <laughs> first year, and I found out that's not the case. And like Matt talking about, thankful for us having the farm, very thankful that he's a chemist and he's buying the hemp because there's a lot of people out there that are processing or trying to get into processing, and there's a lot of people that have had contracts, and they fall through because they don't follow up. So I'm very glad to have Matt to be able to purchase what I grow. I mean, it's a great relationship, and there are some less than savory people here and there, I guess, in the marijuana CBD kind of industry. It's one of those kind of markets, I suppose, overall. So it's good to have trusted people that you can work with, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think as a consumer, I think it's a, it's a really cool story to hear that it's being grown locally, sourced locally, and then it turned into CBD oil locally, and there wasn't all this kind of like... I think a lot of us have this fear that there's this big pharma intervention and all the crazy stuff that you, worst case scenario that you might imagine of things yep. going into it and feeling like, oh, am I getting ripped off? Am I buying snake oil here? Am I? <laughs> but you guys have a great partnership that results in this product that you control from 
seed to production. Yeah, no, it's totally the best. I would have a lot more worries, I think, if I were buying hemp from elsewhere. And even though we get everything tested just to make sure it's all good and just to be able to prove it, I would be really cautious if I had to get hemp elsewhere. So no, it's a perfect situation and it makes really good products. I think just the other day, Jerry and I were talking to some other people out and about, and I think I called it uh, magic hemp and they said, oh, is that, is that really what the farm is called? And <laughs> I said, well, no, not really, but it really is magic hemp. <laughs> so it all, it all goes back to the hemp, the good quality hemp. I mean, and we do some good extraction and formulation and things too, but if there wasn't a good product to start with, it would all not be good. Yeah. What do you grow on the rest of your farm, Jerry? trees that's pretty much it <laughs> most of it is in forestry and there's probably about i guess 15 16 acres that's cleared and i am doing some hay and i'm also experimenting with some other uh, things like cabbage and stuff like that so you know still learning still trying to get yeah. into some different things to make it profitable you mentioned that you love messing with it like it's a fun plant what do you what do you like about messing with it well i've always all my life seen you know, people hiding marijuana around and this, that, and the other, and something that I'd never really mess with. And I don't know, I guess it it seems like it's almost like messing with marijuana legally when it's really not. I mean, it's not, there's, it has to be below 0.3% THC or they'll come out and make you destroy your whole crop. And that's another issue too, because oh, that's so dangerous. Sounding. Yes. Yes. You're taking a very big risk. Hopefully the clones or seeds that you get have been either cloned or, or the seeds have been made to not have high THC in it. And the state does come out and test. You call them when they're getting, when they're starting to bud and they come out and take samples and you pay them and they go test it. And if it's hot, they'll come back and you get one more chance. And if it doesn't pass, they make you destroy the whole crop. The whole crop gone. Yeah. Really bad. Is it like, like in the movies, like the DEA, they come in and burn it? Well, they'll come out and watch you. You either have to um, bury it or you have to pull it up and burn it, kind of like what you see on TV. Mm. It's crazy. And Jerry, so they, they come out and test once a year, right? That- yes, they'll come out and test. Um, and it's like last year I grew two variations, Bayox and a Cherry, and they take samples of each. And it's like if one of them didn't pass and the other one did, you only have to destroy the ones that did not pass. Luckily, both of mine did, and they have passed both years, so I didn't have to worry about that. But I've I've heard rumors or stories of other farmers, you know, that they had some that were hot and have had to destroy them. Wow. And that gets very expensive because I think this year is going to be the first year you could actually get any kind of insurance on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to this, you're just taking a chance. Wow. Now, I was just going to ask, is there any kind of repercussions you'd take? Because I'm assuming you're buying the clones from a reputable company for that purpose of that they're not going to test too high or be hot. Yes, you are. But you also sign a paper with them when you buy it that they're not responsible if it gets hot. <laughs> because you can actually, you can take a plant that is cloned for low uh, THC and you can stress it by not enough water or talk dirty to it and yeah yeah yeah, talk bad to it and go out there you know and and you can actually make it go over the point three put up a system and put some grateful dad on yeah 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 yeah. well actually it likes music i've played music for mine some yeah but uh, you can actually you know you still wouldn't get it um, hot enough that i think you'd have to smoke a ton of it to do anything to you even if it was over the point three it's just such a small amount So. Yeah, 0.3% THC is the legal limit, and it's it's a really small amount, actually. And then that's in the hemp plant. 
Then once we extract it and actually make some products, the THC level is even more dilute than that. So there's like, I think maybe Joe, we've talked about this in the past too. There's literally like impossible to get high from CBD. You'd have to, I don't even know if you drank gallons of CBD oil, if you would get high and I don't suggest doing that. So unpack for people, like the reason that you guys want that to be low is because that's not the thing that's creating the beneficial effect for people, correct? Right. It is. Yeah. That's a good, good, good point. It's the legal limit. So if there's too, too much THC in it, people, first of all, against the law and there's a chance, I suppose, of getting high, but it is the THC and the CBD. I think it is good to have a little bit of THC in, in the mix like we do in this full spectrum kind of product. And we've talked about it a little bit here and there. Uh, It's called the entourage effect where the THC and all the cannabinoids kind of work together. So I think there is a lot of benefit to having even just a little bit of THC in the mixture. Uh, it works with all the other cannabinoids. Uh, I've described it in the past as the CBD kind of being the driver of the bus. The other cannabinoids are the the very important passengers, and they all kind of work together in, in this thing that's commonly known as the entourage effect. So, A small amount of THC, I think, is supposed to help open your body up to receive mm-hmm. the CBD that's in the plant. They work in strange ways with the the endocannabinoid system in the body with all these receptors that we have around our body. And so CBD and THC, they kind of, they do way different things, but they seem to help each other. And the research on all this stuff is still up and coming because it just became legal a few years ago. So researchers at universities and labs and stuff up until recently haven't had the opportunity to work with things yeah. like this because and it wasn't legal. your plants as samples every year. Correct. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually thought the first year when they came out and tested, they bring a, a paper bag to put it in and they put a, a, a <laughs> super, red. Super fancy looking. Right. They put a red uh tag on it kind of like you're in violation of something but you know when the guy came out the first time he got just about a full bag full of it and i'm like dude are you paying me for this all this bud that you're getting and he's (laughs) like no you're paying me and uh, (laughs) last year they didn't take quite as much as they did the first year so i don't know what they did but what was left over but i uh, wonder if they just didn't know or if they were thinking we need enough for testing (laughs) yeah well it was kind of the first first times that they're doing this and uh, they're pulling the agents from different uh, areas to come in and test because they don't have enough people to cover it since it's such a new crop. And there's some new rules coming about that the FDA is looking at for the regulation of hemp and things like that. So there's a lot of chatter in the industry now about how, how things might change later this year or next year. And maybe Jerry, what, what, what are some of those things? It's going to make it a whole lot harder if they leave it, like it is now, the actual federal law says Delta 9 THC cannot be over 0.3. Well, one of the other THCs is THCA that's in the plant, which is not what gets you high. The, the Delta 9 is what will get people high. Well, North Carolina is adding the Delta 9 THC and the THCA together, and they're saying total THC, which is not what the federal law says. So we're trying to get them to change that to only use the Delta 9 THC. They're also saying that you have to harvest within 15 days of testing. Well, there's only one certified lab in North Carolina to test the hemp, and their turnaround time is at least two weeks. So there's no way that you can get them a sample and they can get you the information back in time for you to harvest it within 15 days. Because you can't harvest two acres in, in a day or not without a whole bunch of people. Yeah. 
So I think some of the, all these rules are under discussion still. It hasn't been passed yet. And of course, maybe like the government sometimes does, they're producing these rules that perhaps they would even have a really hard time enforcing. So like that last thing that Jerry mentioned with the lab testing, there's no way I think that the labs or the ag agents or whoever could keep up with all this to uh, have it be within this 15 day range of harvesting. It's a, it's a tough timeline to meet just logistically. There's a lot of flux in the industry and we're going to see how it goes this year and what changes. Yeah, and the comment period is open till the end of this month, and hopefully there'll be enough comments about it that they'll make some changes. You are allowed one retest if you're hot. So, you know, if they if it takes them two weeks to test it and then you can't harvest it, or if you're hot, you technically can't harvest it until after you get your test back. So then if, if it's hot, they come out and retest again. So that puts you down the road another, you know, 15, 20 days. So it's going to make it really hard to be in compliance. Yeah. And how do you know, Jerry, when to harvest the hemp? How, do, how have you been doing it? Um, what I normally do is I look at the pistols on the plant. They're they're white, and then when they start turning an amber color, that's usually a good sign that it's time to start uh, harvesting the plants. And another thing you have to do, too, once the state comes out and tests it, you want to kind of keep sampling it from that point on to make sure that it does not get hot because if you leave it out in the field the longer you leave it the higher the cbd and also higher the thc will get in it still not i mean it's all relative it's still not high enough to get you high but it could go over the point three so you want to make sure you harvest it before it gets you know in that range so as a point of reference do you guys know the difference between the amount of the thc found in marijuana versus What's an average amount of THC found in a marijuana plant versus the 0.3 or less percent found in a hemp plant? I think about 21, 22 percent. Yeah, it's a lot more. So yeah. significant. Yeah. yeah, you're talking about a 0.3 right. versus 21 or 22 percent. Big difference. So that's why. There's no accident. Like there's not like a marijuana plant like sneaking its way into your crop. They're just very different plants. Huh? Very different plants. And you'd be crazy to to put one in there because if they come out and test and they happen to hit that plant, they come out and test the field in random places. So you have no control over oh, yeah. where they're getting their. I bet that's part of their process. They right. don't want people sneaking in a couple plants right. and just hoping that they don't test those ones. Right. You know, you have no control over where they're going in your field to get uh, what they're testing. So yeah. you'd be crazy to do that. Well, it sounds like your guys' next business venture is you just can figure out how to be a, a testing facility for hemp farmers. Actually, yeah, that's, yeah, I I do have an in-house tester and that's nice for uh, Jerry and I have worked together, you know, this past year or so. Oh, you can kind of get an idea before they come out. Get a feel for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And we can also monitor it like as the crop progresses and maybe monitor as the weather changes. So we need to get a little bit more scientific about it, but it's kind of cool that we can do that. We can just uh, grind up a little bit of the hemp and throw it on my analyzer and we'll get a read of THC and CBD and other cannabinoids. So it's a good way to assess what's going on with the plant. And so we did some of that this past year and I think we'll definitely do it again. But So, so as yeah. you guys are starting to learn more about that, are you finding that the levels of CBD, which is the good stuff, and the, the THC, which is the good in moderation stuff, do they mirror each other? Like if you leave the plant longer, the CBD goes up, does the THC also go with it? It does. Yes, it will. But it's it's all, I guess, proportionate. It, the CBD goes up more than the THC does. So I guess that would be yep. disproportionate. But um, It grows faster, much faster. Yeah, the CBD goes up faster than the THC. Yep. And a good, a good CBD percentage from a plant is kind of anywhere above 7% or so. So most hemp plants, 
that are grown well will have maybe between seven and fifteen percent or so, roughly. So, and the end product that you're testing after you've converted it into an oil mm-hmm. to kind of test the efficiency or the effectiveness of the CBD oil. What's that number called? Like strength or concentration, is, I think, is what you're going after. So, like the way that we after it's after I take the hemp and extract it and mix it in with different products, kind of the way the industry does it today is you talk about uh, strength of CBD in a particular product. So, right. if like for example, I'll make an oil that has a thousand milligrams of CBD, that would be considered the strength. I mean, that just means like that in that bottle there is actually a thousand milligrams of CBD in there. And that's kind of the way the industry does it today. It's a more like a by weight kind of a situation versus like a percentage. Okay. You can also, of course, just kind of convert it and, and make it a percentage. But So when but, you're as a consumer and you're looking for buying the best product, what kind of number should you be looking for? It depends on kind of what's going on with you and what you're trying to solve in, in your body, whether it's sleep or anxiety. But a lot of people today are, are looking for products that are between 750 and maybe 2,000 milligrams of CBD. That's a good solid concentration. And so... The, the, the way that it works, though, is when I take uh, the hemp from, from Jerry's farm and extract it, I get, a, after some purification steps and things like that, I get a substance that sort of looks like molasses. It's, a, it's called a crude CBD. It's got a really high percentage of CBD in it, like maybe 80% CBD. And that's, that's kind of diluted down and utilized in different products. You wouldn't really want to take that straight up. It probably doesn't taste all that good and it might solve some issues, but perhaps create some others. So, but, so yeah. uh, So it's really about finding the right number for what you need. It's not about the highest number is the best. True. It's about finding what you need. Yeah. For pets, for example, uh, many people are giving lower concentration to their pets, like 250 milligrams CBD. But of course, with all the bacon that you can possibly get for a pet. (laughs) That's fascinating stuff. (laughs) And yeah, we sell uh, some bacon flavored CBD, so it actually tastes pretty good. It's good for humans as well. (laughs) I think another thing about Matt is all of his CBD is pull from the flower of the plant and some of the stuff on the market you have to be careful about because they make it from the seeds and it's not the same mm-hmm. does not have the same effects yep. and matt can probably speak to that a lot better than me that's an interesting thing that i think we've, we've we've all talked about a little bit here and there but like for example if you look at amazon.com they sell if you google cbd on amazon a bunch of things will come up but the fact is you're not allowed to sell cbd oil on amazon when what they are selling is called hemp, hemp seed oil. And the fact is that in that hemp seed oil, there's no CBD. So it's really a weird kind of misleading thing that happens, at least online. So you got to know um, where you're looking and what you're buying to make sure you really are getting CBD oil and not hemp seed oil. There's just a difference. Hemp seed oil, you can actually go to Costco, for example, and buy a, a gallon jug of it for a, a, a few bucks, I think. But it's not that's the same as CBD oil. Yeah, so maybe people are putting in the wrong keywords to possibly take advantage of people that don't understand no, the they, difference. people wouldn't do that, Joe. I can't believe that you would even <laughs> between suggest CBD that. CBD seed oil and that's, CBD oil. That's insane. That would be misleading. So when, is, is that the main terminology difference? So there's CBD seed oil and then there's CBD oil, which is made from the flower? Hemp seed oil, I think, is better. better. Oil. And then CBD oil, yeah. Hemp seed oil is literally made from the hemp seeds. But and, it, and watch out if you got marketed as CBD, make sure it's not hemp seed oil. Yeah. If you go on Amazon and you buy CBD, you're buying hemp seed oil. Hemp seed oil, yeah. Because it's a, which which might have some benefits for uh, hemp seed oil. I think it's good for you, sort of like coconut oil can be for 
memory type issues and things like that, but it's not the same as CBD oil. Good good advice for people going to buy online. If you really want to make sure you get the good stuff, go to Peak City CBD. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, yes, because the more he sells, the more I sell to him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and we do make good stuff, and we've gotten great feedback just on the, the oils and the creams, and it all does go back to the to the hemp and the good product to start with, for sure. Yeah. So what's the best way to go try some CBD oil from Peak City CBD? Check us out. Go to peakcitycbd.com. Take a look. We love the chemistry and the education of it all. So we've got a great website. You can look at our blogs and learn a lot. And there's a store there you can buy online. And happy to talk with you, answer emails, whatever else uh, you might need. So yeah, we want to be the source for CBD and that's what we're working on. Speaking of being the source, Jerry, thanks for coming on as the source of the of the awesome plants yes. that go into the product. Magic Thank hemp. You. Thank you for uh, Joe for you and the uh, man inviting me to come. <laughs>